have been kind of communicated tonight in the prophetic words, and that is God's trying to encourage us. And what we need to understand is that the enemy has one motive, and that's to beat you and I up. That's it. However he can do that. Does he pay fair? No, he doesn't. But he's after you. He's after disconnecting you from, from, from God himself. He will use anything. He will put pressure on you. He will cause environments to change immediately. There's stuff that happens, catch things that catch you and I by surprise because he's after you. But yet on the other side, we have a God that loves us. No, come on. A God that loves us, a God that says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That sees the pain, sees the disappointment, sees the pressure, sees the mountains and everything else that you and I are facing constantly. But he's never left you. In fact, the word says that he holds us in the palm of his hand. In fact, you and I are the apple of his eye. Isn't that amazing? Now, I don't know about you, and I don't know if you've seen anything that people, when, when you pick up a bird that's kind of like hurting or broken or, or whatever, where do you hold it? In the palm of your hand. Why? Because in the palm of your hand is the most tender place that you can hold anything. It's the place where you can be the most gentle. And that's what the Bible says our God is. So in spite of all that, you have two types of people in this world today. You have the optimistic people, the cheerful, the hopeful, the confident, the people that are just positive about life. And thank God for you. You're like a breath of fresh air when you come through our life. Then you have the other side. They're the people, the pessimistic. They're the gloomy, the cynical, the negative. Lord, help us with those people. But they're there. They're there. Does it, does it mean you're a bad person if you are just a, um, uh, you see the wrong side of the coin all the time? No. The Bible says that we need to learn to renew our minds. We've got to start learning to look at things differently so that we can see God's perspective and not what the enemy is trying to do, throw at us to disconnect us. So life is more than just looking on the bright side of life. You need to be that. But something has to be generating on the inside of you for your eyes to see differently. What is that? And God wants to encourage us. You see, we need to start looking through God's eyes, not just our own perception of life. We've got to start seeing the world from God. Do you think God's out of has lost control? Why did you go quiet? Do you think God's lost control? But if you look at the world, it's kind of chaotic at the moment. But somehow, in Romans 8, it says that in all things, God is working all things for his purpose, his good, and his plan. And we must never forget that. Even in your own life, as chaotic as it can be, every now and then, God's still working. And so life is about being focused, committed. It's about being faithful to God's word and God's principles. You and I just keep on doing what is right, even when what is not right has been done to us. But that's going to take something from you and me. That doesn't just happen. That is hard work, hard work. So I want to speak this evening on are we convinced? Are we convinced? Is it a settled fact in your and my mind and our hearts and everything about us that God is for us? See, for all the time that I've been in the ministry, I've had to continually ask, answer questions that have been thrown at me, not from Christians, but from the enemy. I've had to answer the question, am I convinced that I'm called by God? Because how many of you know that when you've made a mistake, you don't feel good about the mistake afterwards? 
And it kind of like attacks you on your self-esteem, your self-worth, and all those kind of things. And there's not one person sitting in this room that has never made a mistake in their life. So the enemy is guaranteed he has ridden you on that thing. Have that answered the question? Am I convinced that I'm gifted? I might not be gifted like Carl is, but I'm still gifted. I might not be as brilliant as Gerald is, but I'm still gifted. I'm still trying to find out what that is. No, I'm joking. That's why life, that's why we have this time on earth, is to find out why are we here, and then we can do that. That's why you need as many people in your life as possible. That's why you need to be in the Word as, as much as possible. That's why you need to be learning from others as much as possible. And the other thing is, I'm, am, am I convinced that the Lord wants to use me? Are you convinced that the Lord wants to use you? Or are you and I looking at all the mistakes more than we're looking at what God's plan is? Have you noticed when you read the word, God doesn't use perfect people? Have you noticed that? That's why you and I are in the picture. Isn't that nice? See, the question we ask is, are we convinced that Jesus is who he is? And then my notes disappeared. Are we convinced Jesus is who he said he is? And are we convinced that Jesus can do what he said he would do. Are you convinced of that? See, because when the pressure's on and things don't look like they're going like planned, Jesus is still in the boat with me. The storm comes, it's all right, but he's still in the boat with me. You see, it's one thing to talk the talk. Man, I can say the hallelujah and the praise the Lord and oh, it's man, it's good. But man, when I'm facing the mountain, I have to kind of like dig deep to bring out the hallelujahs and the praise the Lord. It's more like, man, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? What's going on? Why? What did I do to deserve this? There's a lot of moaning that comes out of me instead of seeing God still as he is. How many of you heard the, the, the story of the type dropper that walks up and down and everybody, and then he grabs a wheelbarrow and he says, how many of you believe that I can walk there and back again with a wheelbarrow? Everybody, yeah. It says, okay, who's first to get in? It's amazing how the crowd, quiet, the crowd gets quiet all of a sudden. Why? Because it's easy to watch from the side. It's a whole other story to get in the wheelbarrow. In Isaiah 55 verse 9, it says this, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts. As the rain and the snow comes down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud, bud and flourish so that it heals seed for the sower and bread for the eater. Listen to this. Verse 11, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. What did he say? The word that goes out from my mouth. Do you believe God's word is his spoken word to you and I? It is. It's his instruction. It's his intent. It's his purpose. It's his desire for you and I. It's an instruction book, the manual for you and I to live. And it says the word that goes out from his mouth will not return to him void without accomplishing what he sent it to do. The problem is, is his word needs to start coming out of our mouth. That's the difference. I read a story of a young man from a wealthy family who was about to graduate from high school. It was the custom in that, that, that affluent neighborhood 
for the parent to give the graduate a car. Where was I in those days? Bill and his father had spent months looking at cars. And the week before graduation, they found the perfect car. On the eve of his graduation, his father handed him a gift-wrapped Bible. Bill was so angry that he threw the Bible down and stormed out the house. He and his father never saw each other again. It was the news of his father's death that brought Bill home again. As he sat down one night going through his father's possessions that he was to inherit, he came across the Bible his father had given him. He brushed away the dust and opened it. Inside it, he found a check dated the day of his graduation. It was the exact amount of the car they had chosen together. In that Bible that day was a fulfillment of a promise made by a father to a son. It just came wrapped in a different form and a different package. Because of the son's short-sighted view of the delivery, the promise was never received. Today, the same Bible is the fulfillment of promises from our Heavenly Father to His earthly children. Promises to protect us, provision, pardon, purpose, and His power. Promise to redeem humanity from the curse of sin. Promise to bless us and cause favor to follow us. Promises to help us overcome and conquer. Promises to take us through and not down. Promises to turn our test into testimonies. Because it's wrapped in a different form, in a different package, presented in a way that does not fit our thinking, because of that, we struggle to receive it. Yeah. So in short, there's two sides to you and I. There's our flesh side, and there's our spirit side. You see, our, our flesh side is the doorway that the enemy uses to work his plans into your and my life. Devil can get us to uh, operate in the flesh. He can control you. That's why the Bible tells us to crucify the flesh. That is why he tries to make us angry. That's why he tries to get us to disagree. That is why he tries to get us to be offended. Get us to focus on one thing, not the whole picture. That is why he can get used money to become a very divisive tool in your and my life. But in us, there's also the spirit of us. That's the doorway the Lord Jesus uses to work his plans in our life. If we will obey the Lord, he will lead us. Three things that will not allow the flesh to control us. You want to hear them? Serving, giving, and honor. Serving, giving, and honor. All three of those is working from you away from you. It's not working towards you. It's about making other people life better. Helping others. Presenting. We don't worship anybody else other than the Lord. But we do honor people. We honor the gifts that God puts in our life. Because they become examples. We, we honor Andrew. He's an amazing gift to all of our lives. We honor the leadership that is around Andrew because they have te proved the test of time. We honor every other leader. I'm new to Josh so I can't give all the different levels and the whatevers. But, but we honor people. Why? Because of the, 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 the road that they've walked and the life that they've lived and the impact that they have on other people. It's very easy to criticize people. 
Here's my answer to everything. When you've done what they've done, you might have something to say. But until then, you have nothing to say. That's how easy it is. So we ask the question, are we convinced? So let's have a look at some biblical things. See, because believing and living is different. It's easy to say, I believe. But when I have to live and I have to walk this road, how is my life going to look? So we're going to pick up in Daniel chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon makes a statue and he commands all the people to bow down and worship them. Because he wanted to bring unity and strength to the nation. He commanded everybody, when you hear the music, you stop what you're doing, you bow down, you worship the image. But the only problem is, God's word says in Exodus 20 verse 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And so what happens is, inside that place there were three Jewish young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, holding positions of authority. When God promotes you and I, will you and I still live with the same convictions? <laughs> they refuse to bow. Other people, there's going to be tittletales on you. I'm telling you, there are people that watch you. And just like old Daniel as well, there's somebody that went and tittletales to the king. King, do you know? Somebody just has to pick up something against you they don't like you. And man, they're going to zone in on you and they're going to expose you as much as they can. Expect it to happen. And they came, and so he, the king became very angry, and he gives him one more chance. And we pick it up in verse 15, Daniel chapter 3. Now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zephyr, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all the other kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. Not halfedly, with everything that you have. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then, listen to this, then what God will be able to rescue from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we will not. We want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you Set up. My title is, Are We Convinced? Are we convinced that Jesus Christ is still the answer? Are we convinced He is the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords? Does He hold center stage in our life? Are we convinced? You see, the enemy does not throw, uh, the, enemy does not throw the questions when everything is going well, he throws it out there when your back's against the wall and you don't seem to have an exit, exit like that one. You are stuck there. And the only way is you're going to die. That's it. So, number one, remember, our stand will be tested. Whatever you stand for, whatever you declare that God is able to do, you're going to be tested on it. So here's some wisdom in life. Don't wait until the, you're facing the fire to build up some faith in your life. That's the, last, that's the last thing that you should be doing. You see, when life is going well, we actually should be building ourselves up already. We should be stretching ourselves beyond our comfort zone so that we are expanding our faith. When finances is doing exceptionally well, 
Put out your faith there. Be generous even more. Put your life in a place where you have to continually trust God for finances because guaranteed somewhere along the line, you're going to face some lack. And if you've never built your faith on how to trust God, what are you going to do when the pauper hits the fan? There's going to be pips everywhere. 1 Corinthians 3.12, it says, If anyone builds on the foundation using gold, silver, costly stone, wood, hay, and stubble, verse 13, their works will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Pressure. Hard times is coming for every single one. When we stand on the word, the devil will always challenge us. How many times have you, have you been believing God and, it, and, it, and your prayer has not been answered immediately? All of us. Because the enemy is saying, okay, I'm going to check. Do you really believe? And do you pray only once? Jesus, help me. Yeah, okay, this is not going to work. We're going to make a plan now. We're going to make a plan. No. You've got to get up there and you've got to be every single day. God, I thank you. Ten times a day, every time you face a thing, Father, I thank you. We keep reminding God of his word because that's the only thing we have to stand on. Calling yourself a Christian does not scare the devil, by the way. Let me tell you what scares the devil. The word in you. <laughs> not knowledge. Knowledge doesn't scare him nothing. It's what you believe you will live. And that's why the word has got to be something living on the inside of you. You and I, if we walk, we're walking into the time, the end times now, when we're going to have to be real word people. We're going to have to consume the word. We're going to have to believe it. We're going to have to stand on it. And we might even lose our life for it. So in Daniel 3.14, Nebuchadnezzar I, we challenges the Shadrach, Mishra, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he says, is it true? Devil's coming to you today and saying, is it true? Do you really say that you serve God? Going back to Genesis chapter 3, the devil asked Adam and Eve, did God say? He's checking whether you really believe the word or not. Devil will not challenge. Sorry, I'm going to say that again. The devil will challenge you because he needs to find out, do you really believe the word? Do you really believe it? He knows it, but do you and I? He knows it. The word beat him at the cross. He knows it. He knows the power of, of the gospel. He knows the power of the word. He knows everything. He knows the power in the name of Jesus. So he'll come and he'll check, do you and do I? Know the power of the word. Are we prepared to stand? Do we use it when we pray? Or are we just praying our own ideas? Pray the word. Be a word person. Be a word person. Get into the word. Find out promises that God's word speaks about you and I. And that's the thing. Put it all over your, world, your walls, your fridge, your, your cupboard, the mirror in the bathroom. Put it everywhere. Why? Because you need to be consuming that all the time. Daniel eleven thirty two. The people who know their God will be strong and carry out great exploits. Not the people that know about God, the people that know their God. You see, I, know, I might know a lot about God. I can have a conversation with you. But there's no needing that I know him personally. That he's become my Lord, my Savior. He's become the very center of my life. That does not mean that. So the only way to win is to outlast the enemy. 
You're going to have to stand longer than he is. Your, 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 your stamina is going to have to be more than his. In Ephesians 6 verse 13, it says, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your God. And after having done everything, to stand. The day of evil comes. When the day of evil comes, there's a day of evil for every single one of us, and there's a day of evil, more than one day of evil for all of us. If the enemy's coming, you and I need to learn to stand. Number two, remember, it could get worse before it gets better. <laughs> Isn't that nice news? Okay, who are you? Are you an optimist or a pessimist? No, no. Which side of the thing? So it could get better. I mean, worse before it gets better. So we're picking up again in Daniel 3, verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious. I think furious is an understatement, but that's the only word that they could find in the English language to put there. With Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace, heated seven times hotter than usual. I think he was very mad. And commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In other words, he was very intentional in what he was doing. And threw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing fire. Verse 22, the king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. I want to tell you the devil never plays fair. And he can make life very uncomfortable. But we never focus on him. Never focus on him. Because what you focus on will determine how you walk and where you go. You focus on Jesus. And Psalm says, I lift up my eyes to the hills where my help comes from. That's where we focus. I focus on what Jesus, who Jesus is and what he can do and what his word says. I ignore. I have to ignore to the best of my ability what's going on around me. When you hear about fire, it's one thing. To feel the fire is another thing. So we had a bride the other night, and we opened the gas, and they're going, and then how do you know when eventually the thing goes, that that barks at you? And then you got the smell of burning flesh, because I'm so glad my wife was in the kitchen. You see, when you feel the fire, it's a different story. I remember one time when I was still working, and um, if you know, you use a cutting torch to cut metal. So it's a flame that gets extremely hot, and you can cut through metal. Have you heard the statement, lights are on but nobody's at home? Have you heard that? I had a moment like that once. So the piece that I cut off falls on the floor, so I pick it up with my hand. Ay, 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 you run for water. But my finger kind of like bent like that. It's amazing that it went straight again. But that's what the, the immense heat did. Just bent my finger like that and I couldn't straighten it. So um, that's why I'm talking about feeling fire is a different story. It hurts. It's bad. It's not nice. In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, devil, The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You see, when you and I are in a safe place, the roar of a lion is very nice and entertaining. Oh, it sounds nice. Oh, listen to that. Ooh, ooh. Put yourself in the cage with him. That roar is not the same anymore. That roar is very uncomfortable. In fact, um, it's, it's, you don't want to be there. So 
and when the rules in your face, then you have to ask yourself, am I still convinced that Jesus is on my side? Because how do you know, how many of you know that life can speak very loud sometimes? And that's all you're seeing, and that's all you're hearing. And so heaven seems to be quiet. But you know what? Heaven gave us promises in the Word. And that's the thing that needs to start to speak from the inside now. And it has to drown out the voice of the lion on the outside. So we have to be people of the Word. So let me give you a, a, just an example. So one of the churches that we, we pastored a little back, um, there was a church and a school. And, you know, sometimes it's very nice to not know much when you move into a place. Anyway, this was a story when I got there to find out that the church was in huge debt. The school was in huge debt. In fact, the auditors were saying that the church and the school were both insolvent financially. Um, I was now sitting with all the challenges of all the people that we owed money. Um, the bank was starting to close in on us. They wanted the overdraft settled. They wanted, um, and they, were closed, they closed the bank account. In fact, they closed the bank account a couple of times. Somehow. Somewhere, somebody found out where we were, what was happening. And somebody in the bank opened our bank account again. So we closed, and then all of a sudden it's open. I'm thinking, hey, this is amazing. So I thought, maybe they changed their mind. So we just carried on going, whatever. And then they heard about it, and they make a phone call to me again. Who opened your bank account? I said, I don't know. And then they closed it again. And then somebody else opened it again. Happened four times. And you need to understand that when everybody's roaring at you, and you, it wasn't your fault that the things landed up like that. And all you're trying to do is use everything you know how on how to get this thing all sorted out financially. The roar of the lion can be quite wild sometimes. And it becomes a very, not a nice place to be. And so you need to understand that our stand will be tested in that. So number two, it could get worse before it gets better. Number three, get ready for the supernatural. Get ready for the supernatural. You know, David said this, I've been young and I've been old, and I've never seen the, the, the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. He didn't say it wasn't going to get hard every now and then. But he did say that God pitches up. And God's going to pitch up. God's going to pitch up in your chaos right now. I'm telling you, you just need to hold on. You need to have something to hold on to. So, get ready for the supernatural. In Ephesians 6, it says, after you have done everything, stand. But the emphasis is once you've done everything. Once you've done everything that you know what to do. Once you have gone to counsel for people and found out what can I do to be able to fix the story. And you've done everything that you know how. Then you just have to stand on God's word. God, you are going to deliver. You are a God that still delivers. In a Philippians 1, 12, 21, it says, For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. You see, the enemy comes and he threatens to kill us. Now, I don't know about you, but heaven is a sure good trade for earth. So what is dying a threat to you and I for? It's actually, hallelujah, I'm getting out of this maze. I'm going to heaven. It's going to be a nice place. So when the enemy comes and says, I'm going to take you out, just say, make my day. Make my day. Heaven's a good place. Job says this in Job 13, 15, though you slay me, yet will I praise you. You and I need to become people that learn how to praise God when the going gets tough. We need to be a, it says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. 
He didn't say put on praise when everything's good. Ah, oh, hallelujah. You need to be jumping around like that and shouting and screaming as much as you can when everything's against you. That's living the word. In Daniel 3, 24. I love this. The king, of ne- the king Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement. So this is after Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have been thrown in. He's lost his top soldiers now because they've died from the heat. He leaps to his feet in amazement and asks his advisor, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw in the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unhurt, and the fourth looks like the sons of God. There's something that's going to get you excited, is that you need to know that there's a fourth man in your fire with you. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the son of the living God. He's the one that gave his life for you and I. He's the one that broke the chains of the enemy that bound us in sin. He's the one that set us free. He's the one that has, he has provided healing for us. He's the one that has broke the rejection and everything else that the enemy uses against us. He's the one that walks with you, that never leaves you nor forsakes you. What an exciting Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, prefects, governors, and the royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. There was no smell of smoke on them. I want to declare to you today, life might be very difficult where you are right now. But I'm telling you, hang on, because Jesus is about to do something amazing for you, and in you, and with you, and because of you. Are we convinced? Worship team, can I ask you to come, please? Are we convinced? I'm waiting for the worship team. Are we convinced Jesus is who he said he is and can do what he said he would do? Are you convinced? Going back to the school and to the church. The end story is the church became debt free. The school became debt free. And God did phenomenal things. Turned the, everything around. And it was a phenomenal privilege to watch how God could take just insignificant people and use them to turn something around where the church had got a name in the community that really wasn't a very nice name that they, they spoke about us. When they spoke, they, it was almost like a sarcastic way of speaking about the church. And to forgot to take that name and to turn it around and cause people to start to see that God was back there, that God was doing something. What a privilege to be part of that. See, who is this fourth man? Before I go there, let me tell you another miracle that happened in the church. We, we, um, we needed a sound system. Our sound system was terrible. And um, 
So one person said, hey, I've got some shares that have been paid out. I've got about 30,000 rand that I want to sow into the church. I said, brilliant, hold on to it. I need a sound system. So he says, I've got some connections. And he, and he started to phone around and he, and he, he said, um, a sound system is going to cost about 150,000 rand. I'm thinking, uh-oh. My math tells me I, I'm very short. And um, so I said, well, just hold on to that one. Let's, let's, do you have any other contacts? And he said, well, you'll try. And, he, and so he phoned around. And those same people said, listen, if you don't mind, we've got a second-hand unit that, um, that we've used the demos that we can give you for 90,000 rand. So I only have to find 60,000 rand. That's like a doable thing. So I said, brilliant. He phones me two hours later. He says, sorry, they can't do that anymore. And he, ah. and they said this, but the guy's prepared to give us a brand new system for the same price that he was going to give us, the second-hand system. Now, Annie is from the church in Lady Brand where we were part of. We landed up with, a, I mean, the sound system was like, it's like the line array speakers and stuff. You know, you know that? Does it ring any bell to you? No? Oh. Have, you heard of, have you heard of a Rolls-Royce car? Okay, that's in the sound system world. It was like amazing. It's the, it was like we died and went to heaven. The sound was like, wow. Those are the miracles that God could do. But you know what? It wasn't wealthy people that were sitting in that congregation. Ordinary people like me and you that just were so committed to seeing God build His kingdom that He uses ordinary people like us. Who is this fourth man? Who is this fourth man that will show up in your fiery furnace? Who is this fourth man that is for you and not against you? In Genesis, he's the seed of woman. In Exodus, he's the the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In Numbers, he's a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he is a prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he's the captain of our salvation. I hope this is getting you excited. In Judges, he's our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he is our kingsman and redeemer. In Samuel, he is our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he's our reigning king. In Ezra, he is our faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilders of, of the broken walls of human life. In Esther, he is our Mordecai. In Job, he is our ever-living redeemer. Who is this fourth man that if you will believe in him that is the same yesterday today and forever in psalms he is our shepherd in proverbs and ecclesiastes he's our wisdom in solomon songs of solomon he is our lover and bridegroom in isaiah he's the prince of peace in jeremiah he's a righteous branch in ezekiel he is a wonderful a four-faced man in Daniel, he's the fourth man in the fiery furnace in hosea he's the faithful husband in joel he's the baptism of the holy spirit in Amos, he is our burden bearer. In Obadiah, he's the mighty to save. In Jonah, he's the foreign missionary. In Micah, he's the messenger with a beautiful feet. In Nahum, he is the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk, he's the God's evangelist. In Zephaniah, he's our savior. In Haggai, he's the restorer of God's lost heritage. In Zechariah, he's the fountain overflowing in the house of David. In Malachi, he is the son of the righteous son with righteousness with healing in his wings. Who is this fourth man that loves me and you? 
you, that will never forsake you. In Matthew, he is the Messiah. In Mark, he's the wonder worker. In Luke, he's the son of man. In John, he's the son of God. In Acts, he's the Holy Spirit. In Romans, he's the justifier. Corinthians, he's the sanctifier. In Galatians, he's the redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, he's the prize with unscribable riches. In Philippians, he's the God who supplies all I need. In Colossians, he's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Thessalonians, he's our soon coming king. In Timothy, he's the mediator between God and man. In Titus, he's the faithful shepherd. In Philemon or Philemon, wherever you want to say, he's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. In Hebrews, he's the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, he's our great physician. In Peter, he's the great shepherd. In John, he is love. In Jude, he is the Lord coming with 10,000 angels. Hallelujah. In Revelation, he is the King of kings and he's the Lord of lords. He's the mighty to save. Who is this fourth man? If you will dare to believe him, he is our hope. He is our joy. He's our strength. He's the breath that we breathe. He is love. He is peace. He's the sovereign Lord. He's the Lord most high, the everlasting God, all sufficient one, eternal creator, our provider, our protector, our healer, our peace, our righteousness, our sanctifier, always present. He's our shepherd, our maker, the Lord of Lord and the King of all kings. I don't know about you, but that makes me excited to know who he is. Who is the one that the grave could not hold and the devil could not beat? His name is Jesus Christ. He is the risen one. He's the soon coming king with 10,000 angels. He's coming for me and you. Won't you stand with me? Won't you give him some praise now? Are you convinced that he can take you out of the deepest hole that you're in? Are you convinced that there's nothing impossible for you right now in Jesus' name? Come on, lead us in some worship, please.